uh, and, uh, but I finally made it here, thinking I was pretty well close to time that I was supposed to speak. And Debbie kept things going until I got here. Last week, I thought I was early. Because I didn't know y'all started at 10. I thought you started at 10.30. This week, I'm here. Uh, and a lot of it has to do with my wife's, my wife giving me a watch. Uh, but I also, because I was here a little bit later, went overtime last week. And so I don't want to go overtime this week, I want to share with you, they, you, know, you, you hear in homiletics class, you know, they teach you how to preach, and uh, one of the things that, that they taught you is stand up, speak up, and shut up. And then they give you the, the kiss. Here's the kiss on the cheek for potential preachers. Keep it simple, stupid. And I'm the stupid, not you. Um, so what I want to do uh, today, I want us just, because this is, a, this is a great song, it's in your bulletin, I'd like for us to, to sing this together, and then I'll proceed with, with the message, the faith lesson today, instead of singing uh, two more hymns. Turn to 520. 520. The longer I serve him, the sweeter he grows. started for the kingdom since my life he controls since I gave my heart to Jesus the longer I serve him the sweeter he grows the longer I Oh, 
know, we sang that song and I'm going to, make, I'm going to take exception to it. Each day is like heaven. My heart overflows. No, not each day. And I want to share in Scripture how I can back that up. We're looking in Mark's Gospel, chapter 4 and verse 35. Well, the past couple of weeks we've been talking about our heavenly commission as a church. Even though we have social events and it's good for everybody to get together and we have our potlucks and we have our uh, special events that go on to try to build community and we socialize, that's great. And we are in a place where we have business meetings where anybody can express by Baptist tradition, anybody can express their opinions. Whether they be political or social, we have a forum through which everyone has a voice. And that's wonderful. But the world can do those things. There are social service organizations that can do those things. There are political parties that can do those things. So what makes us unique as a church set aside? By the way, the word church in Greek, because I've been to seminary too. The word in Greek is ekklesia, and that means the called out ones. So we are literally, when we're born again, we are called out of the world even though we are still in the world, to be salt and light to a lost and dark world. There is a unique commission we have as a church. The icing on the cake is we get to be together. The icing on the cake is we can do some fun things together. Um, When God saved me, he didn't ruin me. You know, I, I enjoy the very good of God's creation that isn't necessarily confined in a church sanctuary. But to say that every day is like heaven, that's why one of the reasons we need the church. Because every day is not like heaven. When we're in the marketplace, when we are interacting in the world, when our brothers and sisters aren't around us to watch our back and to encourage us, there are times when life gets rough. You ever had a bad day? How many of us have had a bad day? Yeah. I want to share with you about a bad day. My wife was leaving to go to Florida with her sister. My son, who was in junior high school, was at home with me. It was the Monday after the Friday of the last day of school and graduation at Christian Academy of Louisville. And being one who at times is an overachiever with fun stuff, not necessarily with, with stuff around the house and studying and all of that sort of thing, but I thought it was going to be fun to go back to school when nobody else was there. I was going to go back to my classroom and fix up my classroom. I loved doing that kind of thing. I had stro- uh, st- the lighting around the ceiling, you know, the string lights and all of that, and I had a big aquarium with, with tropical fish. And I mean, it was a multi-sensory experience when you would walk into my classroom. And I thought, well, what am I going to do next year? And I'm thinking about that on my first day of summer vacation, going back to my room, nobody else in the building, And I'm thinking, wow, you know what? I need to take down these lights and do something else. 
and I bought some lights, some, some different color lights, and I was going to put those lights on the ceiling. I was going to make everything just perfect. And I thought, well, how do I get those lights down? I don't have the key to the janitor's closet to get the ladder. So what do I do? So being the ingenious idiot that I am, I thought, okay, so here's a table, and here's my desk, and here's a chair. And so I, I stood on the, the chair that was on the desk, and I stepped up on one desk and stepped up on the other, and then I thought, well, I'm not tall enough. So I'll take that chair, and I'll put that chair on the desk. Right? Right, guys? You do what you got to do in the moment. And so I put that chair up there. I got the strings down, and I was, you know, it's kind of wobbly, but I'm okay. And I stepped down from, from the chair to the desk, from the desk to the desk, and I'm home free, except I have to step from that desk to a chair. And I stepped on the chair, and it gave way, and I came down. I've got to be careful because I would, I would do this again if I just show you what I did. And I came down like, if you all remember Milton Berle, remember Milton Berle, the comedian who used to walk on the insides of his feet? That's what I did. I came down, all of my weight came down on that one foot. I thought, oh, ouch. But you know what? I still have to move that bookcase. That bookcase has to go from my classroom out into the hallway. So I moved it out into the hallway, and this foot started really hurting. I thought, well, I must have sprained my ankle a little bit. And the more that I was working, the more it hurt, and the more I went into denial. When I actually, nobody else was in the building, I couldn't put any weight on that foot. That was before we had cell phones. I couldn't call anybody, so I literally did this kind of thing. I'm going to hurt myself again. Did this kind of thing out to my car, got home, and decided that it was, it was just a really bad sprain, so I did what I could with that. I wrapped it. I just wrapped it because it was Wednesday. I'm pastoring Buckner Baptist Church. It's prayer meeting. i got to get to prayer meeting. So I go to prayer meeting with the foot, the way that it was, and I go in, and I did a wonderful, I don't even remember what I said, but it must have been glorious. Because I took the, in my pain, in my torment, I'm still sharing the word. I'm sitting on a stool with a microphone, and I'm sharing the word. And then I go back into the office. My son is saying, Dad, I'm hungry. I said, okay, son, so let's go get something to eat. So I go to... I'm in my office, and, and there's a desk behind me, and I go to reach for my keys, and I didn't see what I was reaching for, and I was reaching for a copier, and somehow I got my hand into the copier and sliced my hand open. And my son is saying, Dad, I'm hungry. <laughs> What's, what is this generation? You know, I'm bleeding, I'm in torment here, and you're hungry. So I wrap my hand with a cloth, and we decide, well, okay, we're going to go to Bob Evans. So I get to Bob Evans, 
And my car, as we pull into the parking lot, my car goes, <clears throat> and so I, I decide, well, you know what, I need to, I need to, I, I had a, a new cell phone, and I had AAA, and I said, I've got to, I'll have to call AAA while we go in, and so before we even get into the restaurant, I call AAA, and they're on their way. In the meantime, I try to start it again, and it starts. And the AAA person comes in, and he says, okay, how can I help you? I said, I don't think you can right now. I said, it's starting now. And he said, okay. And he pulls out. And as he's going down the road, my car stalls. And my battery went out. And I'm thinking, what? Lord, what did I do? I'm having a really bad day. This was not every day is like heaven. So instead of, I, I, I turned the key and it didn't, it didn't come, the guy comes back around, the AAA guy comes back around. My son went to hail him again and he comes back and he jumps the battery. I said, son, we're going to have toast and, cheer, and cereal. You know, I, I got to get home. So we get home, and I get in, and my, my leg, my foot is actually broken, and I'm still in denial. So I'm laying on the bed with, with ice, and my son comes into me, and he says, Dad, we're out of toilet paper. We're out of toilet paper. So I called my youth minister, <laughs> who was... It was in another city of half hour away. And I said, Kevin, you won't believe this. Could you bring me some toilet paper? <laughs> and Kevin brings a whole thing of toilet paper and then announces to the church that their pastor can't afford toilet paper. The next Sunday, I get, a, get piles and piles of toilet paper around the pulpit. It was amazing. You ever had a bad day? One thing right after another? And those things, you know, I look at and I see it as, as funny now. But there are some things that aren't funny. There are things that happen to us that aren't funny. And ten years ago, without going into a lot of detail, some of you know my story, but ten years ago everything fell apart. Everything I had my faith and my trust in fell apart. And I was grasping for something. Many of you may be in that situation now. That you're, you have believed in God all your life, but why are things happening the way that they are? Where is God in the midst of all of this? And when I begin to, to think about that and reflect upon the things that, that happened to me, and I'm telling you folks, I'm not talking about insignificant little things that are inconvenient. I'm talking about major things that test our faith to the very core of our being. I had the pills in my hand. I was just going to go to sleep. And the sleeping pills that were given to me, I'm not talking about melatonin. I'm talking about prescription sleeping pills that my doctor gave me with refills because I couldn't cope with what I was coping with. And things just seemed to be getting worse. 
And I'm not going to go into the gory details, but that was 10 years ago. And you know what? I'm still standing. And I'm standing because of passages like this. Now, two weeks ago, we talked about the born-again experience. It's wonderful. I came to Christ when I was 17, guys. 17 years old because I was searching for something real. I played my first nightclub when I was in the sixth grade. I got streetwise really quickly. And what was streetwise back then is common knowledge to kids now. As traumatic as some of the realities were that I learned by performing in nightclubs, now that same traumatic experience is commonplace in our culture. Things that we never would have thought about when I was a kid now are common. And you're an exception if you don't take drugs. You're an exception if you don't participate in illicit sex. You're an exception if you don't watch violence to the point where you're desensitized to the fact that those people that are being brutalized in front of you are people being brutalized in front of you. We are in a very lost, dark, sick culture. And many of us continue to be traumatized. Imagine what that's like for kids who don't know any different. And then tell me what the church is supposed to be about. It's not just supposed to be about a smorgasbord of activities for kids to keep them so busy they don't have time to sin. It's about offering them a way out of no way. It's about offering them the ultimate alternative lifestyle, and that is living as Christ has called us to live. You want to live an alternative lifestyle? You want to be unique today? You want to truly live an exceptional lifestyle? Just be a Christian. Be a Christian. Not just talk about it. Not just have strong convictions, but live out your faith. Now, how do you do that when you have a bad day? Let's look at the text. On that day, when evening had come, and evening was a time for Jews where good people don't venture out at night. It was a place almost like what stays, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Only the weird people, only the demonic people came out at night. But evening had come. And he said to them, let us go across to the other side. That is the church's commission. Let it happen. You know what the word amen actually means? Let it be. Let it happen. Let it it be actualized. So the command of Jesus to the church is progress. Go forward. Not shrink back, not be in retreat, not be depressed and discouraged. Yeah, I know, we're in a dark time. I know that. But the admonition of Jesus is, if the church doesn't go forward, then who will? Who will speak the truth to the world? So two weeks ago, we talked about that born-again experience where The heavens are open. The possibilities are there. Can you own that? Can you see that just because the world tells you you can't do something, you can't be something, have you discovered the empowerment of the Holy Spirit that says, this too shall pass? 
See, what we need to understand is God's got the final word. We needn't be discouraged. We needn't be depressed. Even death doesn't have the final word. Jesus proved that with the resurrection. So with our baptism, we die to the old self. We let go of the culture. We let go of the darkness in the world. And we rise up to be kingdom activists, citizens of the kingdom of God, and not simply brow-beaten and trying to meet the expectations of the culture. That's what I tell kids. We have, we have you know, some young people in the back. My admonition to you would be who, God ha- be who God has designed you to be and don't buckle under the weight and the pressure of the culture who tries to conform you after their image. Be the men and women of faith that God has designed you to be. That's our baptism. But then last week we talked about the wilderness. Jesus is led by the Spirit into the wilderness to grow, to to develop the convictions, to turn his face resolutely to Jerusalem to say, this is who I am, here is where I stand. Here are my boundaries. And sometimes, y'all, you don't have to argue, you don't have to debate the issue. You just don't participate or cooperate with it. Here's where I stand. Can you actually say that with the convictions of Christ? Here is where I stand. I will not compromise. Here are my boundaries. With all due respect, how's that working for you? I have to say something about the Supreme Court's decision. And I don't know where you are politically. My my sense is I'm very empathetic with women in crisis. Very empathetic. I think the fact that, that the church hasn't established pregnancy care centers or maternity homes is a sin of the church. If we're going to preach against abortion then we also need to understand that there are other dynamics in regard to this issue. It's not just about saving the lives of babies. It's also about supporting the women who are in crisis. And the father needs to man up too. The father needs to be challenged. But we've made this such a political issue. Before I actually started teaching uh, in Indianapolis, I was a, a, a lobbyist for Kentucky Right to Life. So you know pretty much where I go with this. But one of my challenges was the extremes on both sides. The extreme of the, the organization I was working with that saw it simply as a black and white issue and was all about the child but not a whole lot about the woman or the father. And on the other side, I walked into a committee meeting where senators were discussing the dismemberment bill that we were presenting, that you could have an abortion, but you can't have an abortion by dismembering the body of the baby or the fetus, wherever you are with that. You can't do that. That's inhumane to do that. And I'm sitting there, and there are seven members of an extremist pro-choice group that were sharing their views. And, I'm go- and honestly, you can go and look at it online with Kentucky government, but, but you can, the, basically what they said was 
there were three women that said, I've had, one woman in particular who said, I've had three abortions and I'll have another one because it has dis, those being pregnant disrupts my career. That's what she said. Another woman said, my husband was abusive verbally and physically. And excuse me for saying this, but she'd say, I, and I'll be mm, if I'll have his baby. And there was a gentleman there with a ponytail, and he had on a, a collar, he had his vestments, he was in, in some type of denomination, and he said, it's unjust that women who are poor cannot get an abortion. And I thought it was unjust to think that women who are poor can't make wise choices, that they have to depend upon that choice. You know, I, I, I look at all that today and, and I think, if we are going to take a stand for this issue, we must come to understand that we have to go forward and cross over to another side. The scripture says, let us, us, Together, it's not just one or two people. I'm going to tell you right now, don't expect a new pastor to come in to this church and to fill the pews. That's a celebrity mentality that the culture has imposed on the church that you've got to entertain people in order to bring them into the church. Don't put that on a man or woman. Don't put that pressure on me to be an interim and tell you what to do, and everything's going to be wonderful. It is us that goes forward. It is all of us together as the body of Christ to cross over to the other side, to where the needs are, to where the church must address those issues. If we're going to address this issue, and if we're going to be pro-life, we also need to understand that it's not just a political conviction that we're speaking in debate It is how we rally one another together to say, here is an alternative threshold for you. And we have been dismal in that. But that's exactly what Jesus is saying. Let us go to the other side. Let us take initiative to do what the church can only do For people who have needs in this community, how can the church step through that threshold and offer people a way out of no way? That is our heavenly commission. That's what we learn through our baptism, with the heavens open, all the possibilities that are at our grasp. That is what we learn when we go through the wilderness, because the world would keep us from that commission. But we see in this text how to do that. And I'll close with this. Leaving the crowd. See, I told the the choir this morning, this church is not in competition with other churches. We are not called to be in competition with one another. And if another church is doing something already and it's successful, why would we want to do that? They're doing it. But what can this church do to leave that mentality, to leave the crowd and say, this is who we are. This is our identity in Christ. 
This is our conviction. What are the needs around us that other churches are not addressing? Leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was, and other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose. The waves were breaking in, even into the boat, and the boat was already filling. And he was in the stern, asleep on a cushion. And they woke him and said, Teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace be still. The wind ceased. There was a great calm. And he said, Why are you so afraid? You still have no faith? And they were filled with great fear. That word means awe and wonder. And said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? That is an ultimate question we all have to answer. Who is this Jesus? in regard to the lordship of his church, of this church. Who is it that can steal the storm? I'm going to tell you, it ain't easy being the church today. We've got the wind and the sea going against us. And some churches are failing because the wind is crashing into their vessel and the waves are caving them in. And I think one of the reasons is because they have yet to discover the uniqueness of their own fellowship and how God has created them and raised them up in this time in history to be where God has planted them to make a difference. And Jesus is saying, you know what? When you discover that, you're going to have a peace even when your pews are not full. You still have people that are hungry for the word. You have people that are invested, people that that are looking for community. The church's commission is not the same as a political conviction. And that's my message. May look like right now hopeless may look right now just even in your own life things have just gotten so bad you just don't know how you're going to get yourself to the other side I love the fact that the very beginning of the Bible talks about the darkness and the chaos over all the world and God spoke his word and something was created out of the chaos God always creates even out of chaos God is still creating and he's creating this church sometimes even out of chaos he creates in the context of the historical moment where that church resides Things aren't the same. This church is not the 1950s, 1960s, or 70s. We are in a culture that is moving against us like a strong storm moving against the church. And Jesus says, why are you afraid? It's always been like this. From the first century on, the church has has got to find a way through its wilderness. And you do that by listening 
to the creative word of God, let there be. Let there be light. Just let there be light. I'm going to do something during this time of invitation that I rarely do. But I'm going to offer you an opportunity to move from your wilderness to this crossing to the other side. Maybe it's time for you to recover. Maybe you've been through a lot of stuff. And maybe the church has been the cause of some of that. I'm sorry. I get it. I've been a pastor in three churches. I get abused too. Some, it's still a human institution just with hopefully a divine presence guiding it. I'm glad we have hypocrites in the church. I really am. You know, I've had people tell me, I don't go to church because of all the hypocrites that are down there. And I say, you know, that's just like telling me if you're sick, you're not going to go to the hospital because there are sick people there. I'm glad hypocrites are being in the church where they can hear the word, where we can all grow. That's the point. It's not that we have all arrived. It's that we're all on a journey toward growing to be the people that God has called us to be. But I get sometimes, you know, our church can be hurtful. I've said things from the pulpit that have offended people. I never meant it that way. I only want to challenge. But sometimes, yeah, in my humanity, I mess up. And so do you. We say things to each other, sometimes behind each other's back. But hopefully God can even overcome that. Sometimes we put ourselves out on a stormy sea. But I'm going to ask you today, as we go into a time of prayer, and I don't know if this is going to work, but if you're in a position right now where you just need recovery, you just need some healing in your life. The Bible says that if there is one that is going through that type of turmoil, that type of trouble, call the elders and have them anointed with oil. There's nothing magic about oil. It's all symbolic. It's medicinal. It's soothing. It's symbolic of the presence of the Spirit. So here's what I'm going to ask today, and there may not be anybody that, that takes me up on this. And that's fine. It's an offer. Normally what I would do is I would ask people who want a time of recovery or healing for your life to move forward after this morning. I would usually take this little vessel and it's full of olive oil. And again, there's nothing magic about it. It's very symbolic. But I would take my finger and I would just put the sign of the cross on someone's forehead as they come forward, asking for recovery, praying for recovery. And in that, it's a, it is symbolic of prayer and the presence of the Holy Spirit for that person. We've gone through COVID. So I'm thinking, how do I do that without fear of the COVID thing? And as I'm driving up here, I realize, oh, Q-tips. So I stop at Dollar General And every, every person could have a different Q-tip. And that's how I would put the anointing on that person. That's our invitation. 
If you just want someone to pray for you, and you, right now, you just want to be in recovery mode, and today is the day to do that, I'm going to cross over to the other side today. I am not going to let the storms that have come at me keep me from moving my vessel forward in faith. And I determine that today. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask Carol Ann to play. I'm going to ask you to stay seated and bow your head and close your eyes for one another. And if this is your decision today, if this is something that you want to do today, to start fresh, to start new, with nobody looking around after we go into a time of prayer, I'm just going to ask you to stand where you are, and I will come to you. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. You would say to me today, Brother Brian, yeah, I'm ready to start new. I'm ready for recovery from the hurts of the past. I pray that I can to rededicate myself to my born-again experience when the heavens were open to me and the word of the Lord came to me, this is my child, I love you. With the presence of God that was once with me, I need to recover that in my life. The world has tempted me away with things, with stuff that aren't working, that just don't fulfill. They may gratify, but they never satisfy. I'm ready today to cross this stormy sea, to recover that faith, that relationship I once had with my God. And in this act, I receive that presence again. I let go of the old things that new things may come. If that's your prayer, and you would be willing to make that commitment today with this anointing, would you stand where you are quietly? Just stand where you are.
God, we thank you for your love, your grace, your tender mercy. We thank you for your conviction that lifts us up, not tears us down. I thank you, Lord, that you do not condemn us, but you challenge us to be who you have designed us to be, not just as individuals to exercise the giftedness that you've given us in our lives, but to be, uh, to be your church, to be the body of Christ, to participate and cooperate with what you're continuing to do in this world, creating and saving what belongs to you. Thank you again for hearing us today. Thank you that we can indeed let go of the old things as they pass away, that we might be that new creation, even a new humanity called the church. In Jesus' name, amen. And you are dismissed. Thank you. One, one last, I'm sorry, I need one announcement.